on the news, uh, there was like, yeah, it happened. It shut down like across the whole world or whatever. No, I didn't hear that. But you watched the, you watched the nightly news, Vinny. Yeah, we watch David Muir every night. Love him. It's my that's my homeboy. Okay, how's that? Great. Don't mind the heinous office that I'm recording in right now because Michael has his shit everywhere. <laughs> like, it's okay. I'm recording yeah. in my heinous bedroom, so it's fine. Not even good. In my heinous kitchen. Oh yeah, it's really heinous. We're, we're oh all, yeah. As in we're spotless. All, we're okay. all broadcasting live from our heinous <laughs> houses. Houses. Heinous. Heinous housing. <laughs> Leave the dog alone because the dog didn't do a damn thing and now you're trying to feed him your bodily fluid. Thou shalt kill all of your Everybody's had a dog fish a tampon out of the garbage. It ain't right to bubble you, but you can pretend like you will. A dog. Wow. Okay, here we go. Okay. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Straight Up Evil. My name is Jocelyn. I'm the brunette. We've got Katie. She's a dancing redhead. Hi. And we've got Carly. She's the blonde. Oh, hey. Here we are on this fine evening. We are covering the conclusion of our two-part series on the mysterious disappearance and death of Lacey Peterson. Um, If you are starting with this episode, stop. Go back. (laughs) Listen to part one. There turn is, around. Turn around. Do a Yui. Do one of those <laughs> things. You ever see when people turn the wheel, but their hand is flat? I could never, yeah. ever do that. I had to oh get a God. grip. Yep. Um, so turn it around and uh, check out episode one because there's 90 minutes of details and information that you are going to need prior to uh, what we're going to get into tonight. So right up top, I have a few corrections from that last episode. In my timeline for the previous episode, I listed some dates following Lacey's disappearance as that should have been in 2003 as 2002. So Lacey went missing in December of 2002, and she was only missing for, you know, six, seven days of that month. And then we get into a new year. So all the dates that I listed on the timeline in January, February, how her body and Connor's body were found in April, all those should have been 2003. So that's my bad. And I also said that Lacey was 25 when she was actually 27. So thank you for your understanding. There are a lot of dates and times and numbers to remember. And information. Yeah, for sure. About <laughs> Especially this in this story. Endless, endless amounts. Yeah, for sure. So, We are going to pick right back up with April 18th of 2003 as Scott Peterson is arrested in San Diego, California. He, again, had $15,000 cash on his person. No big deal. Carry around 15K with me all the time. And he had his hair and goatee dyed blonde. Um, I also found out in some further investigation with the trial transcripts, as well as the Modesto B, which is a fantastic newspaper, by the way. Um, Scott had 12 Viagra tablets with him <laughs> when he was arrested, which is rough for a man of 31, but we're not going to entirely shame him for that, as Viagra could have helped many people that we have covered. But like so, 12 of 
I don't know. Whatever it takes. Why, I guess. why 12? That's a pretty specific Just number. Just a cool dozen Viagra. <laughs> were they a prescription or were they like off the street? That's what I, I want to know. I think they were loose. Because they I think if they were in a prescription bottle, they like we would, they would be like, he had a prescription for Viagra, sure, but he didn't right. sure, sure. Viagra with him, which is cool. Um, as we've said so many times in Straight Up Evil, your relationship to your dick has real life ramifications, especially the ripple effect to all the women around you. So the root of all evil remains erections. So don't forget that. Um, so, so Scott Peterson is picked up on, on April 18th of 2003. And as we said in the last episode, unfortunately, Lacey and Connor were found on April 13th of 2003. So five days later, he's arrested. The autopsy of Lacey and Connor's remains was done by forensic pathologist Brian Peterson. He's not related, just happens to be another Peterson. I know, that's so funny. I thought that yeah. was great. Um, and we're going to get a little bit into that detail. So just so you know, the following section may be a little upsetting. So beginning with the little baby boy, Connor, according to the autopsy, his skin was not decomposed in any way. So it was completely intact. It was almost translucent um, from, the, from being in the water. His side was mutilated and the placenta and umbilical cord were not found with him. So this leads Dr. Peterson to conclude that Connor was expelled from Lacey's body after she had died, although an official time of death was never determined for Lacey Peterson. And Carly wants to get into this because she has some major questions Crazy. about time of death. I have some major questions. So when I was watching the A&E thing, um, they were going on about how originally they said Connor's time of death, which wasn't really a time, but the day of the death was December 24th. Mm -hmm. So like the day that Lacey went missing and mm -hmm. probably died that day as well. So they knew this by measuring, like one of the specialists measured the length of his femur. And like, there's like a formula to figure out like the measurement and the exact, you know, age of the fetus. So they determined the 24th, but then later, apparently they were they checked with somebody else and they said, you should just measure the femur. You should me you measure the femur, the humerus and the tibia. And the formula was wrong. He did it wrong. And really the time or day of death was January 3rd. So they felt that that was a strong case about who would or could have, couldn't have done it because he died later than probably Lacey did. So he was like alive longer and like what happened with him. But that doesn't make sense to me. And I know like there are specialists or whatever, but there's questions back and forth because I I don't know everything about babies, but when I was pregnant, babies can measure older than they actually are. Mm -hmm. They just, the way that they grow. So like both my babies were big and both my babies were measuring like a week ahead of what the original due date was. So like that would make sense to me and I don't think that is anything particularly to say when he actually died. Like, why would he be alive? He wouldn't have lived that long if Lacey didn't live that long. Right. right. And this Plain is and exactly why they can't pin down his time of death. <laughs> right. I mean, this is exactly why. Because they're everyone, this is the opinion of a, of a forensic pathologist. 
right. as we get into, there's a fertility expert that's going to um, uh, testify in trial and none of the individuals from the coroner's office, including this pathologist could agree on when the baby died. Right. But um, also, I just don't understand how his remains were found versus how Lacey's remains were found. It very makes different. Very, no very sense different. to me. Because you think, if anything, it would be the opposite. I would think. Just because this little, poor little baby, mm -hmm. if he was found in the water, you know, the remains could have been in way worse shape, I would think. Yeah. And like, where's the placenta? Where's the umbilical cord? It's crazy. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't, it's, it, it's very difficult. Like, as we'll say, they're, they're, the lack of evidence in this case is astounding. We don't have anything. We don't have anything to indicate when they died, other yeah. than the theory that the prosecution sets forth, and then the theory that the defense sets forth, right? That each contain different times of death. Um. But I want. I'm with you, Carly. I want that question answered. Yeah, that's a huge piece of the puzzle. We don't know when they died. We we really don't. And it makes me want to. It literally makes me want to become a forensic anthropologist because. First of all, I love the show Bones. So anybody, <laughs> I just love that show. I'm like rewatching it. I love it. And that for some reason is a lot of what I find intriguing about all these cases. Like the psychology of it is really interesting and stuff. But for some reason, like the science of just that science is so interesting to me. Yeah. Being able to pinpoint and tell yeah. like, you know. The conflicting specialist too makes it that much more like, oh, what the fuck? I don't understand how they can be total opposites. Like you would think science that is science, but it would have to be some sort of pair. Yes. I know it's tough. It I, I know. I know. Have you, uh, have you watched the Exhibit A on Netflix? I did. I started watching it and I fell asleep one night and then it's, I never got back. <laughs> it's, a, it. it's a little it's bit on of my a snoozer. List. It's a little bit of a snoozer in its way because it, it gets very technical, but it's all about like the credibility of evidence. Yeah. And all the different schools of thought. Yeah. And lie detector you, tests. Like yeah. some people don't believe in touch DNA. Some people don't believe in handwriting analysis. Some people don't believe in bite mark analysis. Like blood splatter. They don't blood believe splatter. That. Like, yeah. the, like there's so many conflicting opinions on it. They, they just could never pin it down for her. Oh, I can't think of what his name is. Jewel, Richard Jewel. He was a security guard at the Olympic, wherever, some place where there was a big concert, mm -hmm. some park. Mm -hmm. And he was a security guard there. And a guy left a bomb to blow the, the place up. And he was like one of the people within closest proximity of it when it went off or whatever. He saved a bunch of people's lives and got a bunch of people away from it because he realized that it was dangerous and right. like iffy. Mm -hmm. And um, the point that I was making of all of this is that the speculation from all the investigators, so many different um, FBI like CIA, all these like people came in from all different places and all the different opinions and all the different specialists. Yeah, it's a crazy story, but that's the point that I was trying to make is just that like, there's so much evidence. It's such an overwhelming amount of evidence mm -hmm. um, that 
it, you get so many different opinions. You get such, such stretched and different opinions. Yeah. It's just crazy how like it is a science, but yet it can be interpreted so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, you don't think of it, like you think I think of it's cut and dry and it's really not. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, That makes me so mad about this case because I just want the answer. A time of death. Yeah. I want the time of death. Like it makes no sense. It's like anyway. Kaylee Anthony. We just, we want a time of death. Oh, we cannot get a, get a time of death. Like it's, I know it's one of those like untold mysteries. Um, so Lacey's remains, as we mentioned, all that was found of Lacey was her upper torso and parts of her legs. They had been emptied of her internal organs, save for her uterus and her mm -hmm. service was entirely intact. Mm -hmm. So in light of the fact that her uterus was intact and so was her cervix, Dr. Peterson believed that this is the reason why Connor's skin has no decomposition. So if he was expelled after death, it might even have been a significant period after death. Mm -hmm. But still being in the water, if her remains are so you know, hitting rocks, going to the water, the tidal, the fish, the whatever that they said mm -hmm. happened to her. It, this little tiny little baby with like, such thin skin and like so fragile was still, you know, intact. It's crazy. I don't know. Maybe because they're just in like water already, kind of, you know? Right. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, a womb-like It almost preserves the body in a way, kind yeah. of. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and the temperature probably but helps also, too. Yeah, I think true. that's kind of how I see it too, is that they got thrown in and she died and then the the baby stayed in her probably for like however long yeah some days probably yeah. maybe before yeah. it was water whatever an animal a hit something it came out it's horrible to even Ugh. like discuss it, it and they, i mean it they is. were in the water for yeah. four months yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so like oh man it's nuts um biggest bummer of all time they Seriously. did find that Lacey had two broken ribs mm -hmm. but they could not determine whether that occurred before or after death we will never know what actually happened to Lacey because she was um disarticulated but they never found her head ears mouth neck shoulders, breasts, organs, arms, hands, fingers, shins, ankles, feet, or toes. So like, how are you supposed to make a determination? Right? Yeah. I, how yeah, are you supposed yeah. to make any determination? Like, it reminds me of the guy in the suitcases in the Bob Durst case. Yes. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. It, oh my gosh. I, there's just, how are you supposed to be able to tell how they died. Anything, yeah. Um, and it reminds me a lot of Gail. Yep. Um, because that's all the family got back was just a, a torso and parts of her legs. Yeah. And her pants were still on and that's intact, crazy. which is wild to me. Yeah. How pants, like thin fabric would be intact, but the body would, it's just crazy. Um, so, after Scott Peterson was arrested, they did multiple forensic searches of his home and his workplace. 
he, earlier in the investigation, they found a single long brown hair wrapped in a pair of pliers in Scott's boat. So they used this hair to compare to hairs from Lacey's hairbrush on Covina Avenue, and they did match. Um, so from the beginning, Scott had been represented by Kirk McAllister and the Chief Deputy Public Defender Kent Faulkner. Scott Peterson chose to retain Mark Garagos, who is a total legend in the world of criminal law. He has represented Chris Brown, Jesse Smollett, Colin Kaepernick, Nona Ryder, Michael Jackson. I mean, he's just, he has, he is a, he is a very, he's a showman for sure. He's a very, very, very good attorney. Um, so Scott and Scott's family chose to retain Mark Garagos as his counsel. So if I was accused of so murder, crazy. I would probably try to get Mark Garagos to defend me. He's, he's really, really good. He's going to give you the best fighting chance that you can get. Mm -hmm. Mark Garagos also represented Gary Condit. And this is the true crime synchronicity of this episode. And the deeper and deeper Every time. It, the I know. more freaking wackadoo it gets. So all of our true crime diehards out there will remember that Gary Condit was famously implicated in the 2001 disappearance of Chandra Levy. She what a story. Oh, oh such, a story. such a story. Incredible, yeah, yeah. incredible story. She was the bright and beautiful 24-year-old intern in his office who he was also in a sexual relationship with when, at the time that she went missing. So Gary Condit is from Modesto. Chandra Levy is also from Modesto. So crazy. Chandra so Levy went missing the same month that Lacey Peterson found out she was pregnant with Connor. Wow. Chandra and Lacey look similar as petite, bright, beautiful brunettes from Modesto. Gary Condit was never found guilty of Chandra Levy's murder, and it was ruled that it was a stranger abduction. Um, they named a man named Ingmar Gwandik as the culprit. Gwandik was convicted in 2010 of Chandra Levy's murder, then granted a new trial in 2015. And instead of pursuing charges against him, they just deported him to El Salvador. So they didn't have a case really against mm -hmm. him. If they did, they would have retried him, but they right. just deported him to El Salvador. Wow. So wow. Chandra's murder remains unsolved. And it's full of conspiracy theories and, uh, you know, it's like a gold mine on Reddit if you just, if you look for Chandra Levy. Mm -hmm. um, but one of those theories was that Chandra was pregnant with Gary Condit's child, with the senator's child, at the time of her murder. There are witnesses who have come forward and said Chandra was going to have a back alley abortion basically an abortion that was not in a doctor's office so that there would be no trail um, and there would be no suspicion brought on Condit, but that she died in the process of that abortion and it was covered up. So if that's the case, Chandra Levy is another pregnant woman who was killed for being pregnant, but most interestingly, in, uh, pa, 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 most interestingly <laughs> to me, is that Scott Peterson, of his own volition, brings up Gary Condit 
in yes, his so interview. Freaking twisted. And this was the first indication when I heard him bring it, I'm like, you're really talking about this guy right now? And that's kind oh. of what made me look into it. But this is a direct quote from Scott Peterson. The overriding reason throughout it all was she starts giving media interviews and there's no more search for Lacey and Connor. So he's talking about Amber Fry. And he, he's saying, I didn't come forward and talk about my mistress because the overriding thing was if I talk about my mistress, they're going to stop looking for Lacey and Connor. They're just going to focus on me and my mistress. He goes on to say, I'd seen what happened to the search for Chandra Levy with Gary Condit. As soon as it was revealed that he had sex with her, there was no more search for her. So. <laughs> I can't. I can't. He, brings Gary Condit into this. Like what? Okay. And a lot of people believe Gary Condit to be the person who killed Chandra Levy. Right. Why does he, what, like if he is as aloof as he claims to be, why does he feel like he knows the motivation for like, or, or like identifies with Gary Condit yeah. in some way? It's, exactly. it's like one of those killers. It's like one of the killers, like usually it's a, a lot of times a serial killer <clears throat> that like they admit in their confession that they have like an obsession with past kills or like killers or people that are, are um you know suspects of a yeah. kill or whatever i'm like wow all in modesto say same time oh, frame. crazy say and then for scott to just bring up gary conda i'm like what are get in the words of carly get out of here you know <laughs> what i mean like, seriously out of here seriously. get right out um get right there so Scott Peterson goes to trial with the same attorney as Gary Condon, and that begins on June 4th of 2004 and goes all the way through October. So jury selection was a nightmare. It took two months of Wadir for the jury, jury finally to be set in place. And this Crazy. is largely because every single person in America had heard of the case and had formed opinions about the case. Yeah. So the judge moved the trial north to Redwood City, which is basically on the way into the Sierras and, and the Oregon border. So he moved it, you know, two and a half, three hours north, but still everybody knew about it. Yeah. Um, and he didn't want it to be in Modesto because of all the press attention, obviously. But um, I don't think Scott Peterson could have received a, a fair and unbiased trial in anywhere in the United States of America. That, that's my opinion. So uh, Rick DeSasto was the lead prosecutor against Scott Peterson, and he began his opening statements with a minute-by-minute -minute breakdown of the night of December 24th. Um, it reminds me of the prosecutor in the Casey Anthony case. She goes through her opening statement. Mm. It's, it's grating on your ear after a while, and I'm sure that the jurors felt that way, but it's very impactful. She goes through all... 31 days where Casey Anthony says her daughter has been missing and she just lists the date and she goes, where is Kaylee Anthony? Day two, where is Kaylee Anthony? All the way up through the number of days Casey Anthony said she was missing. It's very impactful. This prosecutor basically does the same thing by minute by minute. And then Scott chose to do this and then chose to do this. And then we're here and we're here and we're here. Um, he used photos of Scott and Amber at that famous, 
at the Christmas party where he looks just like a total douche and mm. she's very beautiful sitting in his lap. Right. Um, and he did a, did like a split screen with Lacey sitting alone at the Christmas party that same night. Um, I was thinking like, how, what a time to not have social media. Like if this had happened, <laughs> if, if this had happened, like now we would have like all of her snaps. Yep. We would have like all of her, like everything from, from the evening. You know what I mean? Like yeah. have such a record of every little moment, but this is just one uh, printed photo from that night. So Mark Garagos, Scott's attorney in one of Scott's attorneys in his defense, when he does his opening statement, he supposes like a, a, a level of knowledge about Lacey Peterson right off the bat, which I think probably rubbed the jury the wrong way. Mm. So he started out by saying Lacey knew that Scott purchased the boat just weeks before she went missing. Lacey knew about the boat. Lacey had visited the warehouse space that he rented to physically go see the boat on December 20th. There was a woman who will testify that she saw Lacey use the bathroom at the warehouse on December 20th. He brings up Katie's point of saying Martha Stewart was talking about lemon meringue cookies on Good Morning America that morning of December 24th. And he says that the pants Lacey was found wearing that were described as khakis were not the same pants that she had on on the night of December 23rd as corroborated by her sister, Amy. He says, Scott Peterson is a bad person for cheating on his wife, but he is not guilty of murder. You don't have to like Scott Peterson, but you should find him not guilty. Mm. So right off the bat, he is trying to separate, right, the affair. So this is important to note. The witnesses who came forward um, from December 24th and said they saw Lacey walking Mackenzie. There's a bunch mm -hmm. of people who say like, I saw her in the neighborhood. I saw, you know, mm -hmm. um, they describe her in a white top and black pants. And Scott described her in a white top and black pants. He said when he left that day, that's what she was wearing. She was found, or at least her legs and her torso were found in khaki pants. Hmm. So the sightings of her in black pants, I don't know. What do we think about that? Is that something that possibly the police knew that Scott had said she was in black pants and they said, hey, did you happen to see a woman in black pants and a white shirt walking through the neighborhood? And they're like, oh yeah, I saw her at this time. And then they just basically link those two together. Or mm -hmm. is it a situation where they independently were like, I saw a woman in black pants that looked pregnant. I think it probably the first thing to be honest, because they're not going to be like, oh, did you see a woman walking her dog? Yeah. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? They could have seen a bunch of women, pregnant women walking their dog, possibly. You don't know. Um, you know what I mean? I think they probably mentioned the black pants and white shirt and they're, and they're like, oh yeah, I think I did see a woman in the park at whatever time, you know? Mm -hmm. That's my thought. Um, Amy's sister... Lacey's sister, Amy, was the first to testify um, as, as part of her direct family. And Mark Garagos goes out of his way to make a big deal about inheritances from Lacey's grandparents. So it was, I guess her grandparents had a lot of uh, estate jewelry and very expensive items. 
um, specifically jewelry that was going to go to Lacey and her um, half sister and her brother Drew. And she was aware, Lacey was aware that she would not receive the bulk of her inheritance until she turned 30. So this is like Garagos's way of being like, there's no financial problems, right? They're fine. They have money coming in um, because money problems account for the majority of intimate partner homicides. Mm -hmm. So they're basically trying to establish like they had money, they were good, it's not a problem. Um, he also did some really kind of reprehensible gotcha questioning of uh, Lacey's sister by asking oh. her to pick out, show her three photos of pants, asking her to pick out the ones she remembers Lacey wearing, um, goes through, she, she says, definitely not those two. And he's like, it was actually this one. And you're just like, what, like, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, this is so, like, he's, he just really didn't, didn't do himself any favors with that um, because it really made people be like, are you grilling this woman about what pants her sister had on? Like, we, we don't yeah, exactly. tell you what kind of pants Carly had on the last time I saw her. So, like, you know what I mean? You just don't take note of that, of that kind of stuff. But um, Amy was very good. She stood her ground. Um, and then on the stand, she reveals that Scott asked her to come over to their house for pizza that night, but she declined. Scott specifically asked her. Scott specifically asked her. Hmm. What is that? What is with him specifically like, come over for pizza. I'll pick up your fruit basket. Like, what is this? It's like a, there's something weird with his sister, like with with Lacey's sister. sister. Like she, he has a weird, like, he has a weird thing about the sister. Like, is he just trying to be like flirty, charming? Or is it like all an ulterior motive in some way? No, it's a crack of shit. The the prosecution's case rests on the fact that Lacey Peterson was killed on the night of the 23rd. So why would you invite somebody over? I don't know. She pops up a lot in this story. She has a lot of good, like good information. She's really... Mm -hmm. She's the last one to see, to physically see Lacey. Reliable witness. Um, yeah. Other than Scott. But yeah, I found that to be really, really, really weird. Strange. Um, so then it's Sharon. It's uh, Lacey's mother. And she comes up there and says, you know, I saw nothing in their relationship that made me think they were unhappy ever. She did say that Lacey was super uncomfortable at this point in her pregnancy. They invited her to go to Disneyland as like a fun trip around the holidays. And she was like, no, I don't want to no. go. My feet are swollen and I don't want to walk around. That would be the last thing you would want to do. Yeah. So seriously. it was very <laughs> difficult for her to imagine that Lacey would walk the dog. Because she's like, she's not, she's not comfortable right now. Like she's. Mm-hmm. She's just not, and she is, she's definitely like cooking a, a Christmas Eve dinner and like doing all of these things, but she's, I don't know, her mom did not seem convinced about that. And she, she maintains that they were very close. So she feels like she would have known if that's something that she would have done. Um, so if she didn't walk Mackenzie, how did Mackenzie get out with the leash on to have the neighbor put her back in right. the yard and all that too? That's a question. Because if you let your dog out, you wouldn't necessarily just like have a leash on the dog. You would just let the dog out in the yard. Right. 
Um, mm. So on Christmas Eve, Sharon went to the movies and she didn't invite Lacey, thinking that she would be too uncomfortable to sit in a movie theater seat. It's probably not going to be fun. And then at 3.30, Sharon says to Ron, call Lacey and ask her to bring whipping cream tonight for Christmas Eve dinner. So we at, can do whippets. So we can do whippets. <laughs> I'm just and wrong. at 5.15, no. she gets a call from Scott, right? The call from Scott. And Sharon Rocha says that throughout the evening, he acted off, right? So... We're going to hear this again and again. He had a short attention span and he kept physically moving away from her. So she would like come over to him and like console him a little bit and be like, it's going to be all right. We're going to find her. And he, he like physically recoiled from her. Hmm. Um, she also said that she had never in her life seen Scott angry. No, nope. red flag. Red flag. Yeah. Nope. Only straight psychos will never be angry. I'm sorry. And him physically retracting to her, that's like a repulsion. That's I know. like subconscious, like. Like he yeah. and it's that go I noticed that throughout all of my research very much is that he has a hey, just like you said, Quinny, he's got something with her. Some kind yeah. of I don't know what I yeah. It's there, though. It's poignant, I feel like, for sure. Um, next is Brent, Lacey's brother. And he mentioned how Scott told him once at the Peterson home on Covina Avenue, things aren't going well at work. He started remarking about being 30 and becoming a dad. And Brent describes Scott as very down and quiet about that prospect. Um, when Brent arrived at the house on Christmas Eve after Lacey had been reported missing, Scott was staring straight ahead, not looking at anyone, totally in outer space, and not making eye contact with anyone. So, again, weird. Avoidance. A total avoidance. Then Brent's wife, Rose, said that Scott made the comment that he was, quote-unquote, hoping for infertility in Lacey's efforts to get pregnant. And he said this without smiling or laughing. That's so, that's not okay. Even, not yeah, it's, good. it's just like, it's just a bad joke. Like, don't, yeah. don't, you know, don't do jokes, Scott. You're not, you're not a funny man. You know what no, I mean? Like, like, you don't go have ahead, it. No, go ahead and go in the corner and punch yourself directly in the face <laughs> after making a comment like that. Um, then Sharon's best friend, Sandy, uh, testified that Scott held up his hands on Christmas Eve and said, I wouldn't be surprised if they find blood in my truck. I cut my hands all the time. Yeah, so, you would probably again, cut them a lot when you're cutting up the corpse of your dead wife. So, Red flag. Yeah. again, what? Like, yeah. Um, Who says that? <laughs> yeah. A lot of the shit he says. And at this point, she's just missing. So, like, where does the blood come in? Because she's just missing at this point. Yeah. Like, like we it, don't even he, know, like, did she go off? Did she labor somewhere? Like, is she abducted? You know what I mean? Like, no. No one mentioned blood. No one said she was dead. No one but Scott. Exactly. So um, crazy. 
Karen Service. She is the 1018 AM neighbor. She testified that when she found Mackenzie, the leash was muddy and had grass clippings all over it, but Mackenzie was not dirty. Like not dirty on the fur, not dirty on the uh -huh. paws, just the leash is dirty. Huh. Again, just another one of these things that Weird. like uh, does not add up. Doesn't. Um, much like the case of Suzanne Lyle, there is no physical evidence whatsoever in this case. That is not for lack of it existing, but it's difficult to estimate how much was missed by the officers at the scene because the reporting is just like so bad. Like they did note, right, some of the items that officers said were in the kitchen when they searched the home were not in the pictures that were taken of the home. So like a pizza box, um, a bottle of ranch, tennis shoes and sandals near the French doors of the home and several mop buckets, not just one, but several. There was a crumpled up rug in the house and it was not noted in police reports. And it wasn't until the third walkthrough of the home that they found rags in the washer and not until the fourth walkthrough of the home that the crumpled up rug is mentioned. So they also did note that there were, they, they also forgot to mention that there was a large dog bed in the bedroom, even though there was a dog bed in the bedroom. So the defense was quick to be like, there's a massive item in this room that you just ignored and said, even if it's a dog bed, even if it's seemingly meaningless, you don't mention that in your report that it's in the room. Like it's just a, a pattern of behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and then spots were found on the master um, the master bed comforter, but neither the comforter nor the test results that identified the spots as blood were ever entered into evidence. Like who decides what's entered into so evidence crazy. or not? If they're going to test them, doesn't it automatically make them evidence? Test them and they are blood. Right? Like, they, like they're positive for blood. Yeah. But they were never used as evidence. It's, again, it's just like, if it doesn't fit, they didn't use it. So mm -hmm. many things were stricken from the record. So many witnesses were, um, were removed mm -hmm. on the Crazy. stand because it was never disclosed to the defense team. They're like, I wasn't anticipating this witness. And the judge got very, like, this whole process was just a mess, absolute mess. Um, so the search of Scott's warehouse produced photos of a wood table that had outlines for cement anchors. So he had been making cement anchors. Here we go. And the prosecution tried to prove that more than one anchor had been made because one anchor was found in Scott's boat. And they thought that the rest of the anchors between four and five were used to weigh down the other parts of Lacey's body. If they this doesn't like make no. him, if this does not say that he is so guilty, like I don't, know what else would is makes it so right, because obvious didn't they find because they said obviously like the four to five anchors would have been like to tie down each one of her limbs and her head right and that's why we only found the torso which makes perfect sense but also didn't they say that they found the one anchor but they also found everything that he the materials he used to make the anchor gone so that would assume that more anchors were made yes right Yes. So like, what, he's going to only make one anchor one time 
forever. You're like, no, like, of course he made more anchors. That makes But the sense. photo that they use to show the other outlines of cement mm -hmm. is like very, very like underwhelming. Mm. It's like, you can kind of see what they're talking about, but you can also see why everyone who thinks Scott Peterson's innocent is like, what the fuck are we even looking at right now? It's, it sure. is very difficult to tell what was on that table. And again, like Carly said, those materials and supplies were gone. So how could you, I don't know. It's, that's what else would you call. use them for? Like you made them for that one anchor. What else? Right. He said something about pouring some out into the muddy area on the side of his driveway, right. like to, to flatten right. it out. But um, that's like their big, like, you know, wow. kick in the pants moment. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just very, very underwhelming. It's, it's very underwhelming. I personally yeah. believe that the only part of Lacey Peterson that went into Berkeley Marina is her torso and her legs, but that's just my own personal. I think they really did, did not do themselves a favor by expecting that her whole body was there. Um, because, okay. because I mean, the guy is on a two, a, a, a four hour round trip drive that day. There's a million places you could go. There's a million, like there's, mm. it's just, and it's all like, it's so, it's all these like rolling cow town, rural areas. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, but you, could you, argue. Think he's got, you think he's got time to decapitate her though? Like. That takes some time. That takes some serious time. And it's like seriously a mess, like a huge, huge, huge mess to take somebody's head off. I don't know, Benny. I don't know. I think it was a, like, I understand that they have to have a paint a full picture for the jury, but I think it was a mistake to try to prove that the rest of her is still in there because again, yeah. we're going to get into, um, uh, this guy, his name is Henry Dodge Handy. And he was in charge of one of the water searches in the bay in a high probability area. And he just, he, the guy is so credible. He's so good on the stand. He knows exactly what he's talking about. They meticulously searched this area with sonar and dive teams. They didn't find any anchors and they didn't find any body parts. I mean, it's very odd, very, very, very odd. Um, there was a pubic hair found on the duct tape that was on Lacey's body, on part of her body, and Scott was ruled out as the source of that hair, and they say that Lacey may have been the donor herself. It could have been Lacey's hair. Um, but they had, then they have hair from the hairbrush, so why couldn't they determine if it was or wasn't? But again, they're totally vague about it. They're like, it may yeah. have been. This evidence is ridiculous. Yeah. But then if it is hers, it proves nothing. Right. Because it was with yeah. her. So right. like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Why bring it up? I mean, other than to say that Scott was ruled out. Right. Um, so then Amber Fry comes and testifies on August 11th of 2004. And she and the taped calls from Scott Peterson Here we are, go. are on the stand for two weeks. And this is just this, I think this is the most damning evidence of the entire trial. This is what made people go, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. no, you're a total dog. Okay. But basically it is the tape of him on New Year's Eve 
calling her. I'm outside of the Eiffel Tower. From I'm Paris. We're having a wonderful time in Paris with Pasquale. Pasquale. Oh, my I God. Yeah. Um, so the, the jury hears all of that. And uh, it's very, very damning for him, obviously. Um, Eloise Anderson testified that her dog, Trimble, his Trimble. name is. Um, so cute. So cute. Um, hit on Lacey's scent at the boat launch of Berkeley Marina. So this is also another big, when they pulled the jury afterward, they were very, very um, impressed by the dog handling testimony. But see, I also remember, like, because we were saying before how, like, forensic science is very questionable. A lot of people don't give any credit to cadaver dogs. A lot of, yeah, definitely a lot of scientists and a lot of investigators and a lot of I am of not one of those people. I 100% always believe the cadaver dogs. Oh, I, sure. I think that a lot of juries believe the cadaver dogs too. Yeah. Like, I think that a lot of like, just, just not law enforcement people or judicial people believe it when a dog is like, no, she was here, you know? Like, I'm sorry, um, if you don't, if you don't believe. What are the odds that the dog hit on her scent at the boat launch? I mean, come on. Yeah. And they did, I mean, a couple times in the searches for her, like in the woods and stuff, in the areas around Modesto, in the, in the early stages, they brought in dogs who indicated, and then they found animal remains. You know, right. so it's not... Right. But again, like it, it, but the boat launch, like it's too exactly. That's what I'm saying yeah. is no, not, no. He, oh, you're, oh. you may be unlucky, Scott Peterson, but you're not that unlucky. Exactly. Like, no, no, no. Um, there's another guy named Roger Content. He was a auto salesman. He assisted in the trade-in of Lacey's car. Okay. She had a this very, very nice Land Rover. He traded in her Land Rover for a used Dodge pickup. He gave that car away for $7,500 when the fair market value was 11000 Yeah, like a four for and a half, yeah, $4,000. beat up, just for a beat up, like, bruiser. Because he wanted to get out of town in something unassuming. Okay, so get rid of your own damn truck. Then. He, wanted to, get, he like, wanted to get out of Dodge with a Dodge. He wanted to use a Dodge. Was the Land Rover ever searched? Yes, both, part, both, both were. cars okay. were searched. Okay. Both Scott's truck and Lacey's Land Rover were searched. Remember? That's when the doors were rubbing up on each other and he had oh, to put the cloth. Yes. Yep. He had to put the cloth in so right. as not to nick the paint job of the car yeah, that he's about he's, to ditch. Because he's crazy. Insane. So. I forgot about that. We are at the fertility specialist, Carly. This is a guy named Charles Marsh. He claims have pinpointed when the baby died. So this is to help the defense, right? Like this is uh, the defense wants to say that the baby did not die on Christmas Eve or the day before. The baby died long after that, up to a week after um, Lacey died. That's what he's trying to prove. And so he bases this assertion on the mention of one of Lacey's friends saying that Lacey took a pregnancy test on June 9th of 2002. And that's when she found out that she was pregnant, but there's no, no, no medical record to back anything like that up. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was basing the, the, just like you said, Carly, kids grow 
at yeah. all different stages, right? Like yeah. at all. So like you can be big for your age, small for your age. It's not mm -hmm. an exact. Exactly. So when he was cross-examined by the district attorney, the district attorney basically was like, what do you mean? There's no medical basis for this whatsoever. Kids can grow at all different sizes. What are you talking about? And the guy got so flustered on cross-examination. I don't think he understood that he was going to be cross-examined. And he just said, would you just cut me some slack? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it just gets me every time. Oh, it's literally, God. like, ev like ev everyone in the courtroom just, like, sat back and was like, I hope that, or not I hope, but I bet that he basically then retired from being a fertility specialist. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Oh I certainly God. hope so. Um, so this, that was a bad moment for the defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when court proceedings were over and this was handed to the jury, the jury is a whole other can of worms in this case. Oh my God. So, but before, during the trial, the first juror on the chopping block was Justin Falconer. He was one of the original jurors. He was replaced in June and he had, he was uh, removed for having exchanged pleasantries with Brent Rocha. <laughs> so that's how they put it in the trial transcript. But basically he was like, hey man, what's up? And they were like, you're done. <laughs> what like if you had like if you knew him for any reason any prior to this trial you know what i mean should have said and you would have not been chosen like they ask you these things he was basically like a total bro who was just like what's up man <laughs> and they were like you're out wow. um so the next juror to go was a woman named fran gorman and she admitted that she researched the case outside <laughs> of the courtroom so Fran is one of us. I was exactly. just going to say We will that. never be able to be. Ever. <laughs> ever. So. Be like, look, we research, we have opinions, we know the red flags, we have, we found the evidence, we already Here's know. Here's like, what we it can't is. Be. Yeah. <laughs> and all three of us are the foreman. So don't even fucking try to get one of us. <laughs> exactly. We're all going together. Yeah. Um, so the final juror to be replaced was the foreman. That's, and yeah, this that's is wild. during deliberations he was replaced because he said he feared for his life. He was a doctor himself. He feared for his life because other jurors had made threats against him. He was a holdout for a not guilty. Mm -hmm. And he would, he's like, they haven't proven it. They have not proven it. And they, they you know, people got pissed. And people were like, we've been doing this for months. We want this to be over with. Like I did grand jury. Um, and that's just to decide if people go to trial or not. And it got ugly more than once. I was really? like, oh, oh yeah. So it Crazy. gets really, it gets ugly in there sometimes. So oh. this guy's life was threatened. Thankfully my life wasn't threatened. Yeah, but oh my God. Like this guy's life was threatened. And he was like, I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. So he leaves. They get someone to replace him, and within eight hours, they deliver the verdict, guilty on two counts of murder, Cut. one count of murder for uh, Lacey Peterson, and a count of second-degree murder for the baby boy, Connor. Um, following the conviction, we go to the penalty phase, and Scott was subsequently sentenced to death by lethal injection. 
Scott was then remanded to San Quentin State Prison with the likes of Charles Manson, Charles Ng, Richard Allen Davis, Rodney James Alcala. He's in the same, same facility as all of them. He maintains his innocence to this day. He has never, ever admitted guilt or remorse. He has filed dozens of appeals. And he cites all sorts of things. Deficiencies on the part of his defense. So against Mark Garagos, which is just kind of laughable because the guy's really, really good at what he does. Right. Deficiencies in his defense. Prosecutorial misconduct. Improper exclusion of jurors and habeas corpus, of course. So he does this. He, he, he has been filing appeals for years. On August 24th of 2020, the Supreme Court of California overturned his death penalty conviction. Um, and he remains still found guilty of two murders, but the death penalty has been taken off the table. What's interesting about this is that the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, placed a moratorium on executions in California in 2019. So Scott was not going to die anyway. So as Carly very astutely pointed out, what's the point in going through all of this if you're not going to seek an entirely new trial? Exactly. And it looks like that's going to be the next big push for him is to get a new trial and he will probably get a new trial because there was a lot of mishandling of evidence, mm -hmm. breaks in the chain of command, a lot of questions that couldn't be answered and a story that really at the end of the day, I don't even believe. Exactly. I'm hoping that if God forbid it, that does end up happening, that maybe like forensic technology has really Advanced grown more. since then. Yeah. yeah. And like maybe we'll be able to get something else. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I just really, really feel bad for her family. I know. Um, Scott is reportedly very well behaved in prison and he is housed in an area for inmates with enhanced privileges. So that's a fun little story. Oh, cool. That's really cool. Like, no, no. <laughs> You and this is the point where I pretty much lost it in the outline. I love it. I love and just it. put I love a it. bold like angry. I do this. this is what I do in my outlines too. Yeah, I do this too. The the yell. Yeah. Okay. In, in the outline. This is all of the shit that I cannot explain. Okay, I cannot explain about this case, and this is why I know that Scott Peterson is guilty. Yeah. So a phone call comes out from Scott Peterson's phone at 10.08 in the morning on December 24th, 2002. We know this because it pinged a cell tower and it was brought up in trial. Karen Service, how she got that 10.18 time is by using a receipt from a Christmas store that she was at to actually pinpoint the time when she saw Mackenzie. So my understanding is like the store was just around the corner. She just paid. She jumped in her car. She turned around to home and saw the dog. Mm -hmm. that means that scott peterson had well that means that there was 10 minutes between the time that scott left the house for lacy to be taken abducted lost mm -hmm. burglarized anything for me and then for mackenzie to wander back home with her leash on okay we so gotta talk about the burglary situation mm. So that's a 10 minute window, right? Yeah. No. So 
so let's talk about the burglary situation. So the burglary that they said happened on the 26th in trial, mm -hmm. but actually is believed to have happened on the 24th. Do we think that that had anything to do with anything? Oh I don't. Not really. And they're trying to say like, oh no, maybe they took her. No. No. That is way too coincidental. No. I, I feel like that has nothing to do with anything. I feel like it has nothing to do with anything either. I think it's like, just another, it's just another way to freaking distract from the yeah. actual lack of evidence and lack of proper work done on the investigation. Like, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, it just happened like, that oh, there like was a blurgery across the street right. and it like happened to take like, Lacey. Oh, right, and like, oh, sorry, we were a little distracted. There was a lot going on. Like, no, no. No, and I don't, think, I, I don't think it had anything to do with it because again, just like we said last week, that reward got up to half a million dollars. Yeah. Somebody tangentially attached to this case would have come forward and claimed that money. Definitely. Like, like definitely. Um, so I don't think that has anything to do with anything. Additionally, um, Amy Rocha testified that the fruit basket place, of course, God damn, the fruit basket place, um, had called her at 345 and was like, hey, pick up your fruit basket. you need to come pick up your fruit basket, hon. <laughs> And so she called Scott and left him a message and he doesn't answer like a dick. So this is at 345. Scott called Lacey at two o'clock that day. That's the Hey Beautiful call. Mm -hmm. And said, I can't pick up that basket. Please let your sister know. Why didn't he pick up the phone? Why didn't he call Amy back? and say, I tried to call Lacey and have her tell you. And more importantly, why the fuck does he not call Amy as soon as Lacey is not home? Yeah, exactly. Forget about the first basket, to call her to see, have you heard from Lacey? Do you know where she is? Is she with you? Did she call you? She's in labor, like, do you have any idea? You're really close, like you're, like, you're her sister. Like, and she's already calling you. She's already yeah. expecting you to call her back. No. I just, no, no, no. That does not make any sense to me. Also, nothing is known about the fate of the fruit basket if it actually got to where it was supposed to go. And I just hate the idea that it was wasted. So <laughs> I need, I want to make that a damn fruit basket. I okay. do. So many t shirt ideas. We need is a picture of a fruit <laughs> basket and that says Scott Peterson is guilty. <laughs> like, just wow. the fruit Love basket. It. Okay. I love An outline it. of a fruit basket. Anything. Like, love it. Basket. Is guilty. I love it. Um, okay. Scott tells police that he arrived home at 4.30. Karen Service, she's my favorite nosy neighbor, by the way. Love her. Love <laughs> yeah. uh, she yeah, like her testified too. that Scott's truck was not in the driveway when she left home at 5 after 5. Sharon Rocha testifies that she got the phone call from Scott at 5.17 and he said, and I quote, Lacey is missing. So in order for this to be true, Scott would have had to get home, take off all of his clothes, 
empty the mop water, eat some pizza, and check his emails in a 12-minute window. Yeah. Nope. Okay, so he knew. Definitely. He knew she wasn't coming back. He knew she wasn't passed out somewhere from a pregnancy emergency. He knew because he did it. Okay, yep. so you so he you did don't not give you it do not, You do not forget what you went fishing for. You don't forget to call your wife's sister when your wife is missing. You don't go fishing on the spot on top of where your wife and child's dead bodies were found. And as we saw with Chris Watts, when you are away from your wife, you call your mistress unless you are with your wife because you are killing your wife. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So no, absolutely not. I'm 100%. Fail. You fail. You get an I, F. Stop I do not, like, I do, he gets an F. He gets a fucking F minus. F minus. <laughs> and. F for fruit basket. F for fruit. He gets an FB. God. So no, I don't agree with the prosecution. I don't agree with the theory that they put forth. I don't agree on the circumstances that they put forth, that this is exactly how Lacey Peterson died. And this is, this is you know, what they sewed together, I don't agree, but I 100% think that Scott Peterson is guilty and it is very difficult to convince me otherwise. Absolutely. Um, same. So you girls are in the same boat, in the same angry boat? Totally. Angry boat. In the same angry little boat? And just some horrifying statistics for our audience. Uh, women are four times more likely to die in intimate partner homicides than men. Crazy. So right now, in 2020, homicide is the leading cause of death for pregnant women in the state of Louisiana. The majority wow. of pregnant homicide victims are young Black females with less than a high school level of education. Jeez. And homicide is now the second leading cause mm. of death for pregnant women in the United States in 2020. We have to collectively do something about the amount of pregnant women specifically that are targeted and murdered. It is a yeah. massive, massive epidemic and it's yeah. happening all over the place. Mm -hmm. And like all of the fights for women's rights right now and access to contraception and the whole fight with the Supreme Court, like at the heart of this is a very real like homicide problem that is, yeah. is not being addressed. Yeah. There's a high price tag on a pregnant woman, man. There is. There is. There really is. I was just saying that Carly, when you when you were pregnant, remember when you got like mildly obsessed with stories of pregnant women that that you would hear about and be like, oh, I want to listen to that podcast and be like, no, I can't listen to that right now. I mean, obviously for obvious reasons. Yeah. But yeah. you like even you, I it also even struck you to be yes, like I also recalling her having moments of being like, if you're a stranger, don't touch my fucking belly. Like, let's just, don't, let's just if say, if I don't know you, don't, don't do it. touch me. If I know you, I probably don't want you to touch me. Okay. Same. But still. It is the equivalent of someone walking up to you and like touching the small of your back. Oh. That is my least favorite thing skeeves. on the planet. That is skeeves. Skeeves, skeeves. I don't care 
I don't care who you are. you are. I don't care who you are. You do not need to touch the small of my back to walk past me at any point. Yeah. How about just a little tap on the shoulder? How about just, how about, just a little How about don't touch me at all? So I don't know like how I feel like this is a huge, huge part and I don't know why I feel this way. And like maybe it just wasn't that big of a deal considering everything else that was found out. But Scott calling his girlfriend on December 9th and saying that his wife had gone missing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she goes missing. I need to Two, make a red three flag. Weeks later. Like, Say, yeah, we need to make a little red flag. Saying that he lost his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Weeks before he loses his wife. That's another yeah. addition to our merch. Just little yes. red flags. Little red flags. Absolutely. 100%. Um, Seriously, that no, that's a like, good point, though. No, is that not? It's great. basically premeditation, in my, it's in my true. opinion. It's I really think that's, uh, that's probably why he got first degree murder, Carly. Yeah. 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 Is yep. that exchange? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that's insane. It is. And it's a huge, huge giveaway. Like, yeah. No one has that bad of luck. Exactly. No one is that unlucky. No, no one that is. shit doesn't come so, back. Okay. Okay. No. So getting back to the unluckiness. Okay. Back to the burglary theory, which is completely bullshit. You're telling me that not only did the burglary just happen to, like the burglars were happened to be there at exactly the best time to take the pregnant lady, okay, from across the street of the house you're trying to burgle, whatever. And you just happened to take her and you just happened to then dump her body where exactly her husband was fishing that same day. And it's amazing. It's amazing how the people who defend him are like, oh, well, it was in the media. So someone could have just brought the body there and dumped it there. And I'm like, no. Nobody's going to do that. And the imagination to do that is just just beyond. Also, like, Lacey's big-ass Land Rover is in the driveway, and you're just going to, like, go in there and, like, grab her and just expect her to be alone? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they they were robbing the the house across the street because it was fucking empty. The cars were gone. Nobody was in broad daylight. Okay, on the subject of the burglary, burglary of this is what I have, I have thought. Literally, I felt this strongly this way with my conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. What if it was just a cover up? What if it was just a fucking cover up? All of it. If it's just a cup, co- it's just covering his ass. Like someone. What if someone is covering his ass? That That's is what a- I. That is like- what I think. Like he hired the people because to burglar, had, like, or what are you talking about? He had interpersonal relationships with law enforcement. Like he was friends with with cops. Mm-hmm. He fucking he was the he was a talker. He was a fucking sweet talker. He was a fucking charmer. People, you know, you got all these witnesses that say, "Oh, I never had a bad impression of him." He was he never was angry. A kind man. He was a wonderful. He would do anything for you. He this, you know shirt off his back in a second right but he like knew people and he charmed people and he was a popular fucking person what if not only the lack of evidence the lack of investigation i i I, he could have people on the inside man i'm telling you 
You can have people on the fucking inside. Do you think that some friends in fucking high fucking places? Do you think that he was that they intended to let him get away with it, or they intended to to protect cover it up, and then it just became so huge that they 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 couldn't couldn't do do it anymore? Right, exactly, something along those lines. Yes, very much so. I think that it was like, oh well, we never think that he could do this, even if it wasn't a direct cover up. It was maybe like a cop friend or a friend of a mm-hmm. friend through a friend of a whatever was like, oh, well, you know, we don't think he did this. Like, we really believe that he's truly innocent. And maybe they fought for his innocence. And in that, they maybe could have pushed this little note a little to the side or put that mm-hmm. blood mm-hmm. over there. You know what I'm saying? Like, this shit happens, you guys. It really does. Like, okay, sure. Evidence tampering, man. I'm telling you. I, I could that could possibly work but that really filters too more into like my where I'm like when I'm sitting in bed at night and I'm like deciding like what all of my you know is this aliens oh you mean like me just sitting there thinking that Lacey Peterson would be a perfect alien abduction victim and the baby didn't have any decomposition because because it was, it was partial alien? aliens because it was in a chamber with aliens and the rest of Lacey's body is in the fucking mothership the with the UFO aliens. actually abducted the Connor and took him up and then actually dropped him back off later. Yes. Yes. You're, it's possible. You're, it is fucking possible, Carly, with your judgment. <laughs> it could have been. Lacey Peterson could have been abducted, but unfortunately, Scott fucking did it. And Katie, I yeah. really, I mean... I really believe that you're right that they that he had that people had reason to not want him to have been the one who did it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He still to this day has people strongly, strongly defending him. Okay, so let's talk about that real quick, because that's one of my questions. Okay. The SPA team. Did yeah. you catch that I in did. the anything? The I Scott did. Peterson appeal team. Led by his sister and his mom, right? Or sister and sister-in-law. Sister, sister and sister-in-law. sister and sister-in-law, right. yep. Okay, and then they just, they get some other people involved and every single one is a woman who thinks he's totally innocent. And so, oh, okay. And, and so dreamy. See this? So oh, dreamy. I'm so, oh, I was like, God, literally they find I these can't. experts, but every single expert's going to be a woman that just happens to think that Scott Peterson is, is innocent. Like why it just, no. they're charmed by him. And they, and like only women think he's innocent because he's so cute. And he's like, they couldn't have done it because he loved his, he loved his life. Like no I, way. Cute. I have to say that I don't understand the sister-in-law specifically. Me neither. I don't under, because his brother is never even interviewed even speaks about it exactly yeah i don't know why i really don't know what like what her driving i have a theory forces oh shit i have a theory aliens no aliens (laughs) i no i have a theory that he offered to pick up her fruit basket a couple times and (laughs) she was like yes please No, seriously. No, I'm not. I'm not kidding, though. For real. Like, I think, like, I already dropped her fruit basket a couple times. I already brought her a fresh pear. I already brought her a couple fresh fruit baskets, dropped them off. And a chocolate covered banana. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god! Oh, but really, so though. what makes you? I mean, but really, you think I it's just a physical obsession with him? Something. There's yeah. some sort of magnetism in some way that these women are like driven to, like his sister, it. whatever. Like, of course, like your familial ties. Like, you know, she probably can't bear to think of her brother doing it so i get that but their sister-in-law is so gung-ho that he absolutely like there's no way and she's like getting all the info and she has the maps on the wall and like she's getting the experts from the airport and yeah but the brother's nowhere to be found that makes it's random it is it's it is really random no there are like no men involved exactly that makes that's suspicious to me Mm. And I think women can do whatever they want. And that's fantastic that these experts are women and that like, they're it, fighting no, for totally, something. Yeah, but it, it is, is odd. That's odd. That just screams to me, you know, like the people who marry Menendez's brother when he's already in jail. Like I, the people, <laughs> yeah. the people who write a little queen letter <laughs> to a Menendez brother. Listen, I wasn't <laughs> a fucking, I wasn't like, in love i'm not in love with the man okay i just might i may or may not believe that he was abused okay right, that's course. all right. but of scott course. peterson doesn't have that going for him he only <laughs> no, has no hell he doesn't have that so he only has neither his charm eric. neither just eric i'm oh saying like goodness. these women are charmed by him oh in my way. god damn he looks like a bald sunburnt freaking like i can't crazy person so I, I just I, thought like that was suspicious. Like that's weird thing. And then all my points are are taken care of. Okay. Again, in the A and E thing, because it was just even though it was like really heavy on Scott, was probably innocent or like there's maybe good innocent, information which I in hated. There, there was a lot of yeah, there was for sure. There was, but there was one thing. I'm sorry. No, this was not in the A and E thing. I apologize. I was watching a different thing today as well. <laughs> <laughs> different true kind of thing <laughs> called killing for love about like this um mm -hmm. murder in the 80s elizabeth Haysom. um i don't know if you've ever heard of it and her boyfriend yen's soaring like killed her parents or whatever so whatever it yes it was a really oh, interesting case i know this story really interesting case oh my god it is yes. very oh, interesting story. i had like really knew, knew nothing about it so it was pretty interesting but so the show on hulu killing for love it's like a lot of like the trial, like the court or whatever, crazy stuff. But so an FBI detective that was part of the um, investigation, he said, quote, 75% of people that are in jail today, their mouth put them there. <laughs> so like their mouth put them there, not the evidence put them there. So like anything they had said, anything they had said in before, during the trial, like anything it's like so that. True, it's though. mostly their own doing, essentially. And I think that really kind of fits for this case. Yes. Because the evidence, even though it's weird, doesn't necessarily 100% point to him. Right. Cut and dry, black and white. But mixed with everything that he was recorded to have said. It's pretty fucking straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. But if you were to take out his stuff, like what he said on the phone calls and everything, it could be more of a question. For sure. Her, your mouth and your dick cause major issues in this major case. Major issues, yes. 
your mouth and your dick cause people to be sick. <laughs> your mouth and your dick make me run really quick. <laughs> your mouth and your dick can shove it up a twig. <laughs> I don't know what a twig is, but... Oh my God. But like, uh, for real, do we have any other possible theories that we really think could have happened? Because, dude, I, he I, did I, it. No, I literally can't I imagine don't. It was Scott. Absolutely. He's Scott exactly where he it. belongs, and it it's really unfortunate that that he's going to go back to court. You know, yeah. and we will definitely cover it here when he does. Um, but the what's important to take away from this episode is number one that Scott Peterson is definitely guilty, but number two, um, one hundred. You know, uh, tell tell people where you're at. It doesn't even matter. Like, I know that it's very difficult to stay connected, especially in the times that we live in. And sometimes you just want to, I don't know about you guys, but I get this uncontrollable urge to throw away my phone. Yes. Mm -hmm. I get this urge to like, wouldn't it be great? Like I'll be somewhere where there's water and I'd be like, wouldn't it be great if I just threw this in the, like, if I just threw this in there, I get like an impulse to be like, get this away from me. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, I know it's really hard to do that, but uh, we would never victim blame on this show, but it, it would have helped out a lot if Lacey had talked to a family member that morning or maybe let them know what her plans were going to be. What especially, was going on, yeah. Especially, especially if you're <clears throat> pregnant, that that's all the more reason to just check in, to let your friends know, you know, hey, I'm every day or whatever it is. It's yeah. just every day. so many times it's we true. lose people in these moments of like I didn't check in or I didn't you know also you know in so many of these kinds of cases like the the wives or the girlfriends or the victims may or may not have had red flags prior to like Mm -hmm. you would think maybe they do but maybe they didn't maybe they had no idea but like for instance Shannon Watts okay she had red flags she even if it's uncomfortable or even if you think it's maybe not their business, like share with one person, a confidant of some, of some Uh nature that you're having issues with your Uh spouse. And if, if they're that kind of issue, like Chris Watts was like, was doing to Shannon because he was just like off the wall. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to like tell them every little detail, but like if you're getting some sort of like, give give them an idea so that they can at least, have that knowledge if anything goes wrong in the future. It would just Absolutely. be beneficial. Yeah. Like who knows? Like who knows? Lacey could have been perfectly happy and had no idea because Scott was a psycho and didn't let her know, you know, give any clues to her. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I, I really give her mom so much credit for the fact that they gave her the opportunity on the stand to say, was Scott ever violent? Was Scott, did Scott have a bad temper? Did Scott ever seem like he was going to hurt your daughter? And she was just like, none of us ever expected him of doing anything wrong. I know. That's it. That's, I mean, it's a, it's amazing because if she had said, if Sharon Rocha had said, I knew that there was something going on and I was afraid for her, they Mm -hmm. probably could have gotten a verdict that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But she didn't do that. And I think a lot of the times when people die in these scenarios, nobody knows what's really going on at home. Nobody knows what, what really the specifics of somebody's relationship mm-hmm. is or are. 
in the Poughkeepsie sex worker murders, the second victim, Kathy Marsh, was pregnant at the time that she was murdered. And Kendall Francois, even though he admitted to murders, um, to all of the murders, was not charged with the death of that child. And in this scenario, uh, you know, Lacey Peterson's child got, was, he was convicted of that. Yeah. So it's just a, that's just a massive, that really stuck out to me as well. Um, yeah. He, Francois should have been charged with the death of that baby. For sure. And Definitely. Never was. Definitely. Um, it's true. Yeah. Oh, you're so bummed. Oh my God. So just a total, total loss of life for really no reason. <clears throat> and, uh, and yeah, definite, definite Chris Watts yeah. vibes. Uh, it's just so, it's really too bad about the kids as well. Just that the kids are even brought into it, you know? know? Yeah. Like if Scott didn't want to be a father and a husband, because that's ultimately what I think the motive was like, because he wanted to be out with his mistress or more than one mistress, whatever. Freedom. Just, yeah. just get a divorce. Just separate. Assign away your parental rights. It's so much easier and better to do than it that way than taking someone's life. It's true. I don't get it. Same with Chris Watts. Just, it sucks. You'll totally be, you know, um, hated by your spouse probably like that you just walked away but at least they would be alive seriously yeah we we I don't understand why he did it either yeah specifically why it's it's very hard very difficult to understand if one of these fucking if one of these fucking little fucking bitch boys would speak up and tell us exactly why they did it, then maybe we could actually look for these things in life, in the real world, and say, you know, that's a red flag. But they, right. they, the, 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 you know, there's only, there's only room for Scott Peterson and his ego. There's only room for Chris, <laughs> for Chris Watts and his ego. There's no room for that type of humility that would benefit at anybody else. They're just a waste of space. They're just total waste of space. Do we think that at any point, maybe Lacey had found out about Amber? Like that day or the night before or whatever. Mm. I mean... That's interesting. I don't know how, but like maybe she did. It's possible that, you know... Why that day? You look at his credit card statement and you go, what the fuck? were you doing in Fresno on the night when you said you were, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, oh, he's such a sketch ball. So sketch. Uh, I don't, I like to think that she didn't. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Carly, that could just be the inciting incident. Mm-hmm. That I mean, could that just be. A, I mean, she'll go to her grave with that information. You know what I mean? Yeah. If she did, I feel like. We'll never know. Yeah, I wonder if that could have been the moment where it all comes out. Because, again, I hate to bring up Casey Anthony again, but this is the equivalent of, like, going to Universal Studios and walking aimlessly around hallways 
being oh, like, I work here. Started. Like don't I work here. So I, whatever, like this is the equivalent of that. Something about Scott Peterson and Chris Watts and, and a lot of men who kill their wives, I feel like is like, I wonder how far I'll get. Mm -hmm. Like all of these red herrings with like the fruit basket and yes. the oh, come over for pizza. And there's no, a little I, test. They're, they're, ju they're the just like these, like, I'll just say whatever to throw you off the scent. I'll mm -hmm. just say whatever. I'll just, yep. you know, what, whatever this is. And, um, and I just, I don't know. I, it, it gets to a point where you, where you think that they're just trying to see how far they can get Yeah. until the, mm -hmm. because they know they ultimately will be caught. And I'm sorry, but it is sort of a misnomer to say that he's trying to, that he was trying to escape to Mexico because he was from San Diego and San Diego is very close to Mexico. However, $15,000 cash, dyed hair and your brother's passport. I think we know what you're doing. The brother's passport with the sister-in-law who's fighting for his appeal. One of my most favorite things to say in our Oh my god! You are so right. She That's is so totally true. Spot getting, on. getting a fruit basket from him fruit for two. Basket, dude. I'm telling you. It's the same thing I say in a lot of the podcast episodes. Something ain't clean in the milk. Nah, dude. The sister-in-law, give him the brother's passport. Oh, this is my favorite conspiracy theory about Scott Peterson ever, Carly. Because this entire time I've been going, what is this doing? What are you doing? Like, what, like, what are you, what's your tie in here? Because I, it would make sense if her husband was also advocating by her side right. and the both of them had devoted their lives. Yes, together. yeah. Because it's his brother. But and he's this. not. Oh, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, it is. It's weird. It's weird. <gasps> I knew. It ain't right. I am dead. I can't Ooh. even. It ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't right. Get was, out of here. Lady. I was looking at his innocence website and oh no. It's like the equivalent of CelesteBeardNeedsHelp.com. No. Oh, it really is. <laughs> I think she takes the, hers takes the cake though. Oh yeah. I didn't see his though. What's on his? It's like it's a it's a Scott it's the Scott Peterson. I got it right here. It's Scott Peterson is innocent. Who's who runs the website? I think it's Homegirl. <laughs> I do. Oh Jesus Christ. Scottpetersonappeal.org. And it says it's his family, but it's really just his that chick that she's got a little side to it. <laughs> Yeah. She's got a little side to her. I cannot. She has a little this. side to her. Oh my God. Yeah. But it's not as good as Celeste Beard needs help. Yeah. Nothing as good as Celeste Beard. No. I, I can't believe you okay. bitches don't know about the freaking Olympic Park um, bomber. No. Okay. You got to look this shit up, girl. I do. You really just, do. Um, also, the actual bomber, get this, was from North Carolina. Like, he was literally from like Raleigh, North Carolina, like right near where I'm like from originally, which is really mm -hmm. crazy. And he was out there hiding in, out in the Carolina mountains out there for like years. I can't. Okay, okay Queenie. Queenie. All right, Queenie. 
Love you. Good night, Benny. Love you, 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 Benny.